0: There's some old footage from the 1960s shot in central Mozambique. And in this footage, the camera pans across this old abandoned safari lodge and focuses on a spiral staircase winding up the building's exterior and leading up to the roof. And there's this lioness climbing it, curling her body around and around as she heads up these twisting stairs. She pauses midway looks out, and then continues onto the roof. A moment later, another lion follows her up, and then another, and by the end, there are just a bunch of lions sprawled out on the roof, taking a nap in the sun. This is the Lion House. It is an iconic part of the Gorongosa National Park in Mozambique. You can spot lions stretching out on the roof or sometimes just hanging out inside of the lodge, gazing out a window at you, it is really, really striking. Like this giant cat tower for top predators. And to be honest, it is what brought us to this story in the first place. But it turns out the story of the Lion House is a lot bigger and more complicated than just some big cats taking over a lodge. From this rooftop perch. The Lions of Gorongosa have witnessed and been a part of the unfurling of this much larger history of Mozambique, a history that spans centuries and traces the relationships between people, the land, and the lions, all through colonization, independence, civil war, and its messy aftermath. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today the Lion House of Gorongosa National Park in Mozambique. That's after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. In central Mozambique, Mount Gorongosa makes it rain, quite literally. Warm, moist air drifts in from the coast until it runs right into the steep mountainside, where it is pushed up, cooled down, condenses, and falls back to the earth as rain. And it is a lot of rain. Every year, the rivers swell over their banks and empty into a lake that stretches across these plains for miles. And this year-long access to water made this place ideal for humans, pretty much ever since humans have been around. And it also draws all kinds of other animals, of course. Niala, kuru, wildebeest. And then it draws the animals that eat those animals. Which brings us to the lions. An important member of this region, for a couple of reasons. In addition to being at the top of the food chain... Lions have for a long, long time held an important place in the political and spiritual belief systems of a number of the people in this region of Mozambique.
1: Most of people consider myth, but for most rural people, the belief it is true, important people like traditional healers can become an, an animal like a lion.
0: This is Gabriela Cortige, she grew up in the Gorongosa district in a town not too far from the Gorongosa National Park.
1: So, in my entire life, even when I was growing up in Vila Gorongosa, I've heard about stories where important people become an animal.
0: One of these important people was Chitengo, a chief who lived in the region in the early 1900s. And Chitengo was a warrior, and he was also a regalo a leader who serves as this intermediary between the physical world and the spiritual one. It's said that when Chitango took his last breath as a human, he took his first as a lion.
1: Most of the stories that I've been told, Chitango and his wife became a a lion some people like me who believe in spiritual value that exists, yes, we do believe that um, it is true and it's not just a, a myth.
0: Right there in Gorongosa National Park, close to where Gabriella grew up, there were lions, plenty of them. And today she's pretty familiar with them. She works as a guide for the park, and so she sees them up close as part of her daily work. But for most of her life, that wasn't the case.
1: Going up close to the park, I wasn't able to go to see the park until when I was 17 years old.
0: For a long time, Gorongosa Park wasn't accessible to the Mozambicans living closest to it.
1: The park had turbulent history uh, in terms of Civil war, uh, colonialism.
0: A lot of this turbulent history predated Gabriela's childhood by a few centuries. In the early 1500s, Portuguese colonizers seized a major port city to the east of Gorongosa. And they began spreading out, colonizing land and its people.
1: During that time, there was slavery, there was... Mining, a lot of people, slavery, were sending to uh, go mining in Zimbabwe.
0: For the next 400 years, the Portuguese enslaved Mozambicans. They forced a lot of people off their ancestral land. But in Gorongosa, some of the Regalos managed to hold on to their power, evading displacement for a long time. But in 1917, the Portuguese tried to force Gorongosans to the front lines of one of their colonial battles. When the people revolted, the colonizers responded by murdering nearly 26,000 Mozambicans in the Gorongosa region. Shortly after, the Portuguese took a large swath of the land and turned it into a hunting reserve and a safari destination.
1: And they had uh, lodges, like infrastructures that Portuguese did uh, uh, in the park.
0: This was around the time that a small lodge was built in the middle of an open savanna. It was meant to be a place where tourists would look out at the wildlife from the comfort of these sturdy walls. But before they even finished building it, once again, Mount Gorongosa made it rain. And the lodge, which was directly in the floodplain, was submerged and then abandoned. And soon after, the lions took over. They used it as a perch to spot prey, a place to sun themselves. And from then on, in a way, it was theirs, the lion house. The lions had a new home, but the land was still under control of the Portuguese. And it stayed that way until 1973. One summer day that year, tourists were chowing down at the main camp and suddenly the sound of gunfire rang out. The tourists dropped their silverware and fled as soldiers surrounded the park. These were the fighters from Mozambique's liberation front, known as Frelimo. The struggle for Mozambican independence had been going on for about a decade at this point, and most of the fighting was happening in the northern part of the country. But here in Gorongosa National Park, this attack was symbolic. It was targeting the heart of imperial exploitation. And no surprise, afterwards, the tourists stopped coming. Two years later, in 1975, after steady resistance from Frelimo, the Portuguese ceded control after nearly 500 years. Mozambique was finally free. Maybe because there were no hunters there to shoot them or throngs of tourists interrupting their natural behavior. It's not clear exactly the reason, but after independence, The lion population in Gorongosa swelled to its highest documented number, close to 500. Imagine the lion house at full capacity. Dozens of cats laid across the roof, climbing the spiral staircase, roaming around below it. Frelimo, the liberation movement, became the governing body of this newly independent Mozambique. It was an independent black socialist government which made the neighboring white minority regimes controlling Zimbabwe and apartheid South Africa pretty nervous. So they secretly funded and trained a militia group called RENAMO to take down this independent government. It was a militia that got funding from right-wing groups in the U.S. as well. So just two years after liberation from Portugal, war broke out again. And in
1: 1977, uh, The civil war started for almost 16 years. So people were left with nothing.
0: 16 years of war. And over a million people dead. The politics of this time were complex. The militia that had been funded by the neighboring states actually gained popularity among a lot of the regalos who had held onto power during colonial rule they found themselves struggling under this one-party state of Frelimo, and they were losing the things that they had fought to keep, like the ability to practice their spirituality or keep ownership of their ancestral land. So they aligned with Renamo, and Renamo established their military base right on Mount Gorongosa. This put Gorongosa National Park at the very heart of the conflict.
1: Most of the wars took place in the park. Uh, The park was, during the Civil War, yes, was uh, very damaged. We even have um, uh, war marks in in the park, so, yeah, like uh, bullets.
0: There were animal casualties as well. The soldiers and some of the people around the park turned to wildlife to survive. They hunted whatever they could eat and trapped whatever could be sold.
1: A lot of animals were killed, uh, like hippopotamus, elephants, uh, wild dogs. Most of the um, animals were killed for food and for ivory.
0: Rhinos and elephants were killed for their horns and tusks, which could be exchanged for weapons. Other animals, like lions, were just caught in the crossfire, falling prey to traps and landmines.
1: Few animals were left after the, the, the Civil War. Civil war left with no rhino, no leopard, no wild dogs, few elephants, few lions.
0: The lion house found itself abandoned again. An aerial survey of the park showed that there might be just six lions remaining in the entire region. The civil war officially ended in 1992, but the fighting between Renamo and Felimo kept on flaring up, on and off, for the next few years.
1: When doesn't affect important people, it's not important, but it continued right in my my neighborhood for almost almost six six years.
0: The hunting didn't end either. People living in the park still didn't have very many options, so they continued using the resources they had at hand.
1: We have to fish poaching, we have to practice agriculture inside of the the park and things like that.
0: By the early 2000s, there was finally a break in the fighting. And it was around then that the government of Mozambique partnered with a US nonprofit to bring biodiversity back into the park. The park was still littered with landmines. Gabriella says the goal was to take this land that had been the center of so much conflict and turn it into a site of national strength. And to do that, it would mean bringing in surrounding communities the people who had for a long time protected and lived with these animals.
1: They started including people in conservation. We are growing coffee. We also provide health care, providing girls education that keeps teen girls in school and out of uh, child marriage.
0: The park also started visiting local schools.
1: When I was 12 years old, the Gorongosa Park Team I went to my primary school and showed a movie about the park. And there were two women there. And they were from my community. They were taking care of lions. So it was very inspiring to see that, oh, I know these two girls. They, they are my neighbors. So basically uh, brought me and other girls a sense of, oh, I can be able to do whatever I want, like take care of animals, uh, be a guide, things like that.
0: And that is exactly what Gabriela did. She went on to intern with the national park, and then...
1: After a year, I became a uh, first female safari guide of the park.
0: Gabriela says that today, 98% of her colleagues are local to Gorongosa, including a number of ex-combatants.
1: So we are including them in our projects. Because nobody wants war anymore. So, when you talk with themselves, we are, we are tired. We just need work and money to give our families and and stuff. It's nice to see that the park is coming back, and nice to see that people, as well, our from community, are working to, to keep the animals to live together, which is. Not (laughs) easy
0: sometimes. Not everyone sees the restoration project in such a positive light. To some, the involvement of a U.S. NGO felt like a kind of echo of colonialism. Another case of white people coming in and deciding what to do with land that was never theirs to begin with. And remember, a lot of the people living on Mount Gorongosa aligned with Renamo. So the residents were worried that with a Frelimo government, they would be forced off their land.
1: Sixteen years of of civil war, and then plus six year of uh, conflict on Mount Corongosa. The so people were uh, scared. were were mad. In two
0: thousand and ten, the park ended up absorbing the upper region of the mountain, saying they wanted to protect the trees there. We talked to an anthropologist who spent time living on Mount Corongosa. And she said the residents didn't feel that they had a say in their land being ceded to the park. And some started cutting down trees in protest, even trees that were once considered spiritually important. Around the same time, conflict flared up in the region again. But Gabriella remains optimistic. She says she sees signs of change.
1: My my opinion in that is they're changing because they can see uh, the change in the one to be peaceful. They want to give their kids, their family, a better
0: life. It is a complicated moment for the park and the people of Gorongosa. There are 200,000 people living in the area around the park, and there are a lot of different feelings about how it should be managed, who should be managing it. But for the wildlife, it's a little more clear cut. That restoration has helped them return to the region. As a guide, Gabriella started seeing wildlife that, for a long time, had completely disappeared. The hippos had returned to the mud.
1: Now we have more than uh, 300 hippos.
0: The elephants came back too.
1: 700 to 800 uh, elephants.
0: And the very first lion was documented back at the lion house. And there are other signs that the surrounding communities bringing this biodiversity back, are benefiting from their work in big ways. When a cyclone hit Mozambique in 2019, it was estimated that the vegetation of the park soaked up a huge amount of water that would have otherwise rushed into the surrounding towns. In 2019, a new peace accord was signed right there in the park between the two oppositional parties, Renamo and Frelimo. Since then, Gabriela says things have Finally, started to calm down.
1: Of course, there are scars that won't heal uh, well, forever, but we, if we learn to live with our scars, so that won't affect us um, badly. Yeah, I have class at
0: 10:30 today. Gabriella is taking classes in the U.S. She's in her sophomore year of college at Boise State and was speaking with us on a school day. She's on campus now but she sees her future back in Mozambique.
1: I really want to go back to my country and work for the park uh, to see my community. Gorongosa Park and community thrive together.
0: She's excited to go back, no doubt taking people to the lion house to stare wide-eyed at those handsome lions sunning themselves up on the roof. For Gabriela, Gorongosa Park represents a millennia-long national story. She wants to help guide people through the park, through its wildlife, but also through its history, and ultimately, help shape its future.
1: Um, yeah, Of course, I'm not changing the whole world, but if I go to my community, I'll probably uh, change one person's life.
0: Thank you to Gabriela Cortese for taking the time to talk with us today and to Christy Schutz for giving us some of the recent political context of what's been happening on Mount Gorongosa. There are a lot of great resources out there that cover Mozambique's political history much more thoroughly than we can ever cover in a short show like this. So we've linked to a couple of those in our show notes, and we encourage you to check them out for a more complete history. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by... Abby Peralt. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger. Chris Naka. Camille Stanley. Willis Ryder Arnold. Sarah Wyman. Manolo Morales. Baudelaire Seuss. Gianna Palmer. Tracy Samuelson. John Delore. Our technical director is... Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by... Luce Fleming. Thank you for listening. May the lions always inhabit the lion house. Witness Docs from Stitcher.
1: Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down
0: in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs.
1: Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs, we hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen.